You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your ears. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and this is a vacation special coming to you live from St. John's International Airport in Torbay, Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, these are pre-recorded. I'm currently driving to Bonavista at this point. You can see some puffins. Yay, puffins. Anyway, this is going to be a look, just a light-hearted look. Just, you know, there's been so much negative we've had to talk about with the Blue Jays this season. Let's let's do something fun. So this is going to be a rundown of the five most unlikely Blue Jays All-Stars in, in honor of the All-Star game being played tonight in Washington. J-Hap is the lone Blue Jay attending this year's festivities. It's a well-deserved honor. J-Hap will not be appearing on this list of five, but there are some names who have represented the Blue Jays in the Midsummer Classic that are odd, and names that you generally would not think of being those those quintessential Blue Jays players that invoke the warm, fuzzy feeling. So we're going to run them down for you. Again, just a, just the top five. Not going to go too heavy into this. But we do have a couple honorable mentions, and a couple recent honorable mentions. We're going to start with a good Canadian boy. Um, Michael Saunders was the fifth Blue Jay named to the All-Star team in 2016. He won the fan vote to get in, and it was recognition for what was an incredible first half for Michael Saunders. Um, He had 20 home runs at the break. He was hitting out of his mind now that he could finally hit for Toronto. But sadly, that was just a random blip. He, of course, tailed off immensely heading into August and September to the point where he was barely playing. And now he's, he's been trying to rebuild his value. He's, he's bounced around the minors. He was with the White Sox with their AAA team. He got cut. Uh, he was with Baltimore's AAA team as well. Hasn't had any kind of success. Batting like 160 in AAA. So, you know, continuing the Blue Jays tradition. But it, it was it's weird to think of Michael Saunders as that all-star for the Blue Jays. And the other honorable mention is actually a pair tied for that honor in relievers Brett Cecil. And Steve Delabar. Delabar, another fan vote. Blue Jays fans, when they want to vote for something, they will vote in spades. And Steve Delabar was the beneficiary that year. Cecil had done enough with his 2013 to get in on his own merit. Cecil had a 143 ERA as late as July 5th that season, and that's about when the All-Star voting took place, so Cecil earned his slot in there. Delabar 
again, he's a guy who who had that flash. He came out of the independent league and just caught lightning in a bottle, much like Michael Saunders. At the time of the all-star voting, like he was he was like Cecil. He was at uh, 171 ERA heading into the all-star break. He didn't give up a run in like his first four appearances, and he was he was in that Danny Barnes role back then. Just initially a guy who you know came in, gave some middle innings. He got moved back when he started impressing John Gibbons at the time. But again, a guy who never got back to that peak and started bouncing around the minors. He was in Cincinnati's organization. He went to Japan. He actually pitched this year for Round Rock, which is Texas's AAA team. Wasn't great. Uh, 476 ERA for Round Rock in five and two thirds innings. So, Delabar will always have the knowledge that he was an All Star, and that that same warm fuzzy feeling can be said for for a few members of this list. And we'll start. With number five, and for this one we have to go way back to the beginning, to the first ever All-Star for the Toronto Blue Jays back in their first year, 1977. Now, you know you're not going to get the cream of the crop when you have to pick an All-Star from an expansion team. Tampa Bay's first ever All-Star was Rolando Arroyo. And if you don't know who that is, you're not alone. I know him because he's an All-Star Baseball 99. He was really good for like two years to start his career and then just tailed off heavy. But the Blue Jays needed to send someone to that game. And in the end, they ended up selecting veteran Ron Fairley to represent the Blue Jays. Now, Fairley has been a good batter to that point. He he made an All-Star team actually made that all-star team for Canada's other baseball franchise, the Montreal Expos, in 1973. It was his first all-star nod. The only problem is that the longtime Dodger and then Expo was 34 when he got that first all-star nod. So by the time he got to Toronto, he was acquired in a trade from Oakland for a minor leaguer in cash. So he was 38. It was a very young Blue Jays team. Um... Again, put together after the expansion draft. They're just starting to bring along guys like Ernie Witt. Um, Alan Ashby was actually the catcher that year. So they had a lot of raw talent that wasn't really doing much. And Fairley, as the designated hitter that season, got the call. He wasn't great. He was... He ended up batting 279 with 19 home runs and 64 RBIs. Still, team-leading totals for home runs and RBIs. So, he, he did do something right, but it was, it was a bad Blue Jays team, obviously, off the expansion draft. But someone had to go, and Fairley was chosen. We'll give you number four before we move into our commercial break. And for number four... Uh, we're going to go a little more recent to those days when Toronto had those ugly J's, like the letter J, on their hat. And what rhymes with J? Number four pick, Shea, this ship be sinking, Hillenbrand.
Shea Hillenbrand was an all-star for the Blue Jays. Yeah. He made the all-star team in 2005, one of two Blue Jays to make that team. The other being Roy Halladay, naturally. Now, Hillenbrand ranks above fairly, not just because of his place in Blue Jays lore, but while fairly actually gotten at bat in the game for the American League, he struck out against Tom Seaver, which that's understandable to do that. Hillenbrand didn't even get to come to the plate. He entered in the eighth inning as a defensive replacement for Melvin Mora and fielded a couple ground balls. And that was Shea Hillebrand's all-star experience for the Blue Jays. His second all-star game, he made one for the Red Sox, but obviously after making that appearance for Toronto, things kind of went downhill again next year. He doodled on the whiteboard and got shipped out of town for Jeremy Cardo. So, and now he's on House Hunters repeatedly. So, that's a career, I guess. Good work, Shay. Good work. Well done. Speaking of things that are well done, we are going to listen to this well done ad right now. Alright, we are back with our countdown of the top five, I, I don't want to say weirdest Blue Jays All-Stars, but definitely, mm, let's, let's kind of call them underwhelming, I guess. Just because, again, these are guys who in no way, shape, or form are really represented the Blue Jays, at, at least at a level to be an All-Star. But, you know... This is just a fun thing to do while trying to time my recordings so I don't get every PA announcement looking for passengers going to Deer Lake. So we move forward. And for number three, we go back to the 70s. Now, again, Blue Jays, still a brand new team, still kind of bad. So... Their all-stars were very underwhelming, but the most underwhelming might have been pitcher Dave Lemanchik. He was drafted in the expansion draft. He was a 22nd round pick in the expansion draft, taken from Detroit. And he was pretty underwhelming. He did not last very long in the majors. He... Bounced around from Toronto to California. I know, back before the Angels were called Anaheim. It's weird. It was a weird time for the Angels. They didn't really know what they were doing until they got into Naked Gun. But I'm rambling. Dave Lemanchik was alright, but he amazingly was coming off a pair of seasons where he was very underwhelming. The 1979 campaign was the only year he managed to keep an ERA below four for an entire season. The year before, he went four and 14 with a 6.26 ERA. However, by the time this All-Star game ran around, Lemanchik had some success. Although going into it, 
Uh, he had a 2.32 ERA after his June 21st start, and then the couple games before the All-Star game, he pers- he proceeded to give up eight runs to the Yankees, four runs in an inning of work against the Orioles. He lost a complete game against Texas, and then gave up six runs to Minnesota. So, re- really starting to bloat back up. He had, had a very good first half of the year, pitched, pitched a fair amount of complete games once he got into the rotation, but... Yeah, was just not impressive. And he did not even get into the game to pitch. So that that's one step below Shea Hillenbrand. At least Shea Hillenbrand got to be on the field very briefly. But no, that is why Lamanchik is number three. Number two, the, the only thing you can really do being worse than not playing is to play and not perform well. And that is the case with number two on our list. Again, he's another good Canadian boy. We, we seem to have those and we seem to like sending them to the All-Star game. But in 2001, the only Blue Jay to go to the game was Paul Quantrill, the reliever, the veteran Canadian reliever who everybody likes and everybody thinks his son Cal is going to be very good in the major leagues. But yeah, Paul was essentially just the token Canadian back when Rob Ducey wasn't on the team. Uh, Quantrill was, was in a fine run after being converted to a reliever. He actually led the majors in games pitched for four straight seasons, starting with that 2001 campaign when he was with Toronto. Actually did very well. He ended up with an 11-2 and record at 3.04 ERA. So the wins essentially got him to the All-Star game. And that and the fact that the Blue Jays were very not good in 2001. Outside of Quantrill, no one was winning games. This is a team that had Chris Carpenter before he was good, Esteban Loaiza before he thought he was on Breaking Bad, and then the rest of the rotation is just starting to find his footing, Roy Halladay, Joey Hamilton, something called a Chris McCallick, who I don't remember, and then Steve Paris. So Quantrill really was the best thing going for the Blue Jays on the team. It, It wasn't the hitting for sure. But Quantrill got the summons to appear in that All-Star game. And unfortunately, once he got to that All-Star game, he had the distinction of coming in. He faced three batters. He gave up a double to Survivor's Jeff Kent. Got Rich Aurelia to ground out, which I can't say really anything about Rich Aurelia. Very unremarkable shortstop for the Giants and Red Sox. And then got horrible human being Lance Berkman to single through through the left side. And then that was it for Quantrill. He gave up two hits to three batters. And Kent ended up scoring on, an, on a Ryan Klesko sacrifice fly. So Quantrill had the distinction of giving up the only run that the American League allowed in that game. 
and has a career all-star game ERA of 27. So, you know, it's better than Luis Santos had earlier this season, but still not great. So Quantrill gets a number two slot. But the reason this person has number one is because at least at least these other guys that I mentioned, you can say their career success came with the Blue Jays. You can say you can identify them as Blue Jays. You can identify Cecil and Saunders and even Hill and Brand for that for that brief time, mostly for bad reasons, but you can identify them. Number one on this list, I had no idea he made an all-star game. I had no idea he made an all-star game for Toronto because his time with the club was so unremarkable that I, I initially thought he didn't play a game for the franchise. I thought he went in that blockbuster deal with between the Marlins and Mets and, and just kind of passed through Toronto that way. But no, making the All-Star game in 2010 catcher John Buck I again I thought Buck just passed through town the, he had a lot of time with the Royals he spent like one season in Toronto before moving in the giant deal with the Marlins and then hopping immediately over to the Met like it's it's so confusing he actually went to the Marlins in 2012 he got traded to Toronto, then traded to the Mets. That's how I know John Buck. That's that's how I remember his time with the Blue Jays is being acquired and then immediately sent out to get Josh Tolley. But yeah, not only that, if if I told you a Blue Jays catcher made an all-star game, you would naturally go like, oh, Ernie Witts made an all-star game for the Blue Jays, for which you're correct. But then that's it, other than John Buck in 2010. No Russell Martin, no Darren Fletcher, no Pat Borders, none of these other catchers. Is John Buck with that lone season that he played in Toronto in 2010. He got to the All-Star game by hitting 13 home runs in the first half and being a part of a very weak 2010 All-Star game catching class, I guess. I mean... They they had young Joe Maurer starting, so it's not like they were they were hurting. And young Victor Martinez was also on that team as a catcher. But but again, John Buck just being there, just kind of randomly, like that was that was the first year that Jose Bautista made the All Star team for Toronto. So you could be like, oh, Jose is going to carry everything. And Vernon Wells actually made that All Star team too. There were three Blue Jays, three offensive Blue Jays on that all-star team, but John Buck just stands out like a sore thumb. Like, what is he doing there? He he hit seven home runs the rest of the season, ended up batting 281. But it, in, in going over the Blue Jays all-stars, John Buck is definitely the most random. More, more random than Shea Hillenbrand. More random than Paul Quantrill making a team. More random than Alex Rios making two which that kind of inspired this whole idea of, of checking the Blue Jays All-Stars. More more weird than B.J. Ryan, who went once and 
basically allowed a game to get close enough for Mariano Rivera to get a save. That was BJ Ryan's role, is to go out and suck. <laughs> Which, Blue Jays fans can tell you, he knows how to do that very well. But, no, just just weird some of the ways the Blue Jays have gotten people into the All-Star game. So John Buck takes the title for me. And if you guys disagree, if you think my, my list is a little mixed up, let me know what you think on Twitter. I'm at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. You can follow this podcast at LockedOnJays. And check out the fine writing at Jays from the Couch. There will be more going on there than than will be here in regards to current events. I am going to continue driving to the Puffin Sanctuary now. I'm I'm sure I'm close. I'm there. There can't be far away. There there birds, right? There gotta be a lot of birds around. So I will continue to look for the puffins and let the announcements for the Gander flight wash over my closing statement. So for everyone here at Lockdown Blue Jays, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening and y'all take care.